Parshas Veschanan begins with the Psukim of Moshe Rabbeinu telling us how he davened, how he pleaded with Hashem to be allowed into Eretz Yisrael. Veschanan al Hashem. It wasn't uh, just once. Chazal tell us Moshe davened 515 times the gematria of the word Veschanan. And we have to ask ourselves a question. When Moshe made the mistake of hitting the rock, Hashem tells him, Lachain, therefore you will not go into Eretz Yisrael. And on that the Gemara learns, Lachain is the language of a shvur. It's the language of a promise. It wasn't just Hashem made a decree, but Hashem, so to speak, made a guarantee that this decree was not going to be changed. So why did Moshe think that davening repeatedly would have the effect of changing Hashem's decree. Which is obviously what Moshe thought. If Moshe felt that davening again and again was going to bring results, he thought that Tefillah could change the decree. And why, in Moshe's opinion, didn't that happen? So the Pasuk says, Hashem bi Moshe holds the Jewish people responsible. It was because of you. Because of you, I wasn't able to go into Israel. Why was it the fault of the Jewish people? And, Hashem the Pasuk continues, Hashem says, Rav Loch, enough. Don't speak to me more about this. This also needs an explanation. And Hashkafe is that when we daven for something, we need something, we want something. And we know that the source to turn to is to Hashem. And we don't get immediately what we asked for. So what's the right thing to do? Not to give up until well, Hashem doesn't want to give it to us, but to dive in again, to ask a second, the third, a fourth time. There's no limit to how many times we can ask Hashem for something. Avram Avinu wanted a son. Avram Avinu had to wait 80 years until that dream was fulfilled. Until Hashem gave him that bracha. How many times do you think Abraham have been a in those 80 years? Thousands and thousands. And he wasn't answered. He davened again. And again and again. So why would Hashem tell Moshe, don't daven anymore. Stop asking. That's our second question. The Gemara in Saita takes it a step further. What was the expression Hashem used, Ravloch? The Gemara in the Gemara with Beis in Saita gives two alternatives. Either the Gemara says that this was Meda connected Meda. Because many, many years earlier, when Korach had come asking to be a Koyen, to be able to do the Avod in the base of Mikdash, 
Moshe told him, no, Korach. Rav Lachem B'nai Levi. It's enough what you already have. Don't ask for the Kahuna. And now Hashem responds to him the same way. Rav Lach. It's enough what you've already done. Don't ask to be allowed into Eretz Yisrael. And this also presents a question. Karach was doing something wrong. So Moshe told him it's not the right thing to do. What was Moshe doing wrong in asking to be allowed into Eretz Yisrael? And the other opinion in the Gemara, Hashem said, don't daven more. So they shouldn't say, how kosher, come a kosher Arav. How difficult the master is and you keep repeatedly refuses to listen. And how demanding the student. Again, what was unique about this case that it would be the wrong thing to keep davening? And so people shouldn't say, it shouldn't be said how difficult the Rav is. Who's going to say? Who's going to know? Who's going to know how many times Moshe David and how many times Hashem answered him negatively? So let's repeat the question. Why did Moshe continue davening again and again even after Hashem had told him that you're not going into Eretz Yisrael? What was wrong with that? Why did Hashem tell him to stop? Why were the Jewish people to blame for that? And lastly, what's the comparison to Korach? There's Mila Keneged Mida, Hashem tells Moshe also Ravlach. So let's begin by exploring a very central principle in Ahashkafa. And that is, why do we daven again and again? When we ask Hashem for something and we don't get answered, Hashem knows what we want, we told Him. Hashem decided not to give it to us. Why daven again? We have to remind Hashem. He hasn't forgotten what we wanted. And the answer is, with the answer to an even more fundamental question. And that is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what, what to do with the person. What's best for him, what he deserves. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that this is what this person deserves. And now the person wants to come and daven, what's going to change? Hashem is going to say, oh, now that you've daven, I'm going to do different to what I wanted to do before. I'm going to do what's best for you now before. I wasn't going to do what's best for you. Why should that make a difference? Those are the questions. And the answer is, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides what to do, it's with the middah of what we call the middah samishpat. It's just, Hashem has a base in, so to speak, a court, and He decides what a person deserves. And looking at the person, so He decides, this is what this person deserves. This is how we're going to treat him. Whether it's a person deserves some form of punishment, chas v'shalom, 
or a person doesn't deserve a certain benefit, a certain reward that they wanted, the Kodesh Baruch decides what's right for that person. And Hashem's decision is correct, and Hashem's decision is fair. So where's the room for Twiller? And the answer is, it's not that we can change Hashem's mind. We can change ourselves. When HaKadosh Baruch decides that this is what this person deserves, that's based on the person he was when that decision was made. And if a person is able to change and does change, he learns more Torah, he does more mitzvahs, he adds more schosim, he's no longer the same person. And if he's no longer the same person, then perhaps the din which he was given before no longer applies to him. Perhaps the sentence would be different. And that's the makam, that's the place for a person to appeal, so to speak, in the merit of tefillah, in the merit of mitzvahs, in the merit of Torah, maybe the balance has changed. Maybe beforehand I wasn't deserving, but now I am. So I can ask again. And if I still get told no, then maybe I need a bit more. And I'll ask again then. When I give shirim and tefillah, I always say this principle. A person dives for something, he needs something, he wants something, and he asks for it, and he says, Hashem, please, this is what I need. And he doesn't get it. Hashem didn't say never. Hashem said not yet. And if I can try harder, and I'm more deserving, then that not yet can turn into yes. Think of it as a marshal, a person wants to buy a new car, a new house. Does he have the balance in the bank to buy it? Not yet. Does that mean he'll never? No, keep working. Eventually he'll get make enough that he'll be able to deserve it. If the credits in a person's account of merits aren't enough, yet, keep trying, keep working. Eventually you can get there. And that's why we dive in again and again. And it's never a tefillah for nothing, because each tefillah adds a little bit more to the merits we have. Davening in itself is a mitzvah. Until eventually, the, the scales will tip in the other direction, and now we'll get what we wanted. Kaveh Hashem, the Gemara says in Brachas. Hope for Hashem. We need something, daven to him, ask him. And we don't get it, then chazak Take courage, fortify yourself, a kaved Hashem. Daven to Hashem again. So now that we understand the principle, it makes our question even stronger. Why would Hashem tell Moshe to stop davening? And the answer to this, I'd like to explain a tremendous principle to learn from the Ramcha. And that is, sometimes, when a person wants something from Hashem, it's a question of what affects, it affects them. So Hashem takes into account their merits, what they deserve, what they don't yet deserve. And when eventually they deserve, then they'll be given what they wanted. 
But sometimes there's a second factor Hashem has to take into consideration as well. And that is how doing something for this individual is going to affect the Jewish people. And then it becomes two sides to the decision. What's best for the individual? What's best for Klal Yisrael? And if there's going to be a conflict of interest between what's best for this individual or what's best for the Jewish people as a whole, what's going to take precedence? Here we have the rule. And the rule is, except for some notable exceptions, what's beneficial for the Jewish people is more important than what's beneficial for the individual. So if a person wants something, davens for something, it might be good for them, but it's going to be injurious for the Jewish people as a whole, that's going to be a factor for them not to receive it. And what's more important, that's something which isn't going to change. Because adding more schusim to their personal account means they may, may be more deserving of it, but it doesn't make a difference because there's the counter. And that is, this is not what's good for Kal Yisrael. And with that insight, we can come back to the story of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu knew that Hashem promised him, as a punishment, you're not going to be allowed into Eretz Yisrael. And Moshe davens to Hashem. And he says, maybe I don't deserve it. But there's another factor here. It would be better for the Jewish people if I'd be allowed into Eretz Yisrael. Why did Moshe think like that? To answer that, we have to take a step back with a historical perspective of where the Jewish people were holding. They were holding at the banks of the Jordan River. They were about to cross into Eretz Yisrael. They were about to engage in battle with the seven nations. And they'd been here before. Nearly 40 years earlier, they were also on the border of Eretz Yisrael, poised to attack. And then the spies came back and the spies told them, you have no chance, they're giants, they're supermen, they're warriors we can't compete with. And how did the Jewish people respond to that? With despair. We don't stand a chance, you're going to be massacred. We want to leave, we want to run. And for 40 years they've been wandering in the deserts. And had the children of those 40 years asked, why are we still in the desert? What are we waiting for? The answer is, we made a mistake. We were too afraid of those giants in the clan. We were too scared to fight, and that's why we're being punished. So think about it. A generation grew up in the desert for 40 years hearing about the fearsome giants of clan. Giants that their fathers were too scared to tackle, and that's why they landed up in the desert. And now they're back at the border of Eretz Israel, about to cross and about to confront those same giants. They're still there. Those same nations are still there. Exactly where they were 40 years earlier. And only one thing has changed. And that is, the first time around, they thought they were going to go into Eretz Israel with Moshe at their head as their leader. And this time they're going to do the same thing without Moshe's leadership. And how do Klai Israel feel when they don't have Moshe to lead them? 
That's what caused the Egel Hazov. Because there, Moshe Aish, we don't know where he is. And they panic. So can you imagine the morale of the Jewish people? About to cross into Eretz Yisrael. About to tackle these fearsome giants. And this time, on their own. Without Moshe to help. And Moshe says to Hashem, Hashem, maybe I don't deserve to be out in Eretz Yisrael. But it will help Klai Yisrael. And Hashem says to him, exactly the opposite. Moshe, the reason I'm not letting you into Eretz Yisrael is because it's better for Klai Yisrael that you don't go in. It's better for Klai Yisrael that you stay behind. Why? What was the mistake of hitting the rock? That because of that, Moshe was punished that he wouldn't be allowed to lead the Jews into Eretz Yisrael. If we think about it, had Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the rock, what would he have said? He would have said, Hashem commands you to give forth water. And the rock would have obeyed. And the people would have learned the lesson that what Hashem says happens. Even rocks can obey. But instead, Moshe goes and hits the rock and the rock gives forth water. It looks to people, Moshe can make miracles. Moshe can cause rocks to give forth water. And instead of causing a mud in Hashem, by seeing that this is what HaKadosh Baruch is doing, it would, have led, it would have caused more reliance on Moshe. Says Hashem to Moshe, what you did wrong at Baal Pa'ar is you caused the lack of Imun in Hashem. And if that's the case, had Moshe been the one to lead the Jews into Eretz Yisrael, they would have been relying on Moshe. He fought Sichon, he fought Oig, he fled us through the Midbar. He's going to be the leader who will lead us through the battles of Canaan as well. And that's a big mistake. Not to rely on Moshe, to rely on Hashem. And that's why Hashem tells Moshe, it's better for Klai Yisrael, you stay behind. It's better for Klai Yisrael that they have to go into Eretz Yisrael without you. That's going to force them to have Emunah. And that's how the previous parasha ends. Moshe tells Yahshua, you're going to be the ones to lead these people into Eretz Yisrael. And don't be afraid because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who's fighting for you. And that's how Moshe tells the Jewish people. It's because of you that I wasn't allowed into Eretz Yisrael. Because of you. It wasn't the question if Moshe deserved it or didn't deserve it. It wasn't what was best for the Jewish people. So let's look at the questions we asked before. Moshe davens and davens and he thinks maybe I don't deserve it. But maybe to lead the Jewish people I will. That's the reason for that to allow me in. Perhaps that's how we don't find Aaron Akoyan, who was included in the same Gezerah. We don't find him davening repeatedly to be allowed into Eretz Yisrael. Moshe davens 515 times. Nashem says no more. I was wondering what's the significance of 550. I didn't see any answers, but I'd like to suggest. Moshe daven b'schus his tefillas and b'schus Hashem's rachamim. Hashem's rachamim is symbolized by the name Yudke Vavke, which has a gematria of 26. You add that to 515 tefillas, 
you get the gematria of 541. The gematria of the name Yisrael. That's how much Moshe davened. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says no more. Your Tvidus can't surpass what's best for Klai Yisrael. And that answers the other questions too. Normally, if a person doesn't get what they want, daven more, daven more. It's adding to your merits. It's slowly, slowly tipping the balance. But over here, Hashem tells him it has nothing to do much with how much you daven. If it's a shayla of what's good for Klai Yisrael, so there's no point in davening more. That answers the other question too. Normally, when the Malachim see that a person davens, and they don't get what they wanted, it's not a question of harav kamachsarbon, how obstinate the master is. They can see it. the tefillah made a difference, but not yet enough. If a person was holding by a thousand tzchusim, he's holding by a thousand and five. He might need to get to ten thousand to get what he wants, but we see it's not nothing happens. There was a change, just not enough of a change. But when it came to Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillahs, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change because it's not a cheshpun of that you can add to. It's a cheshpun of Klal Yisra. And that's also what Moshe tells Karach. Maybe for Karach's personal development, for his personal schosim, maybe if he had done the Avodah, he would have achieved more. Maybe. There's a high level of Kirvas Hashem in bringing the Kor- in the Kotaris. What Moshe tells him is, it's not good for the Jewish people to have two kainim. It's going to create competition. It's going to create divisiveness. For Klai Yisrael, it's better that there's only one kain. And that's Hashem tells Moshe the same thing. Moshe, you have to take what's best for Klai Yisrael into consideration. Rav Lach. You know we're holding down the week after Tisha B'Av. 1,955 years we've been in Goddess. And we think, maybe we don't have too many merits. We're small people. We don't deserve to be saved. But in those 1,900 years, there were some really great tzaddikim. Think about the Tanoim. Rabbi Ranasi. Rabbi Shemba Yechai. Think about the Amarayim. Think about the great Rishonim. Why didn't these people so to speak, daven non-stop, fast. Pray and without relent until Hashem brought the Gola. And the answer is, there's a Gemara. And the Gemara says in Ksavos and the Pazakim, Hashem says the Jewish people who want to go back to Yerushalayim, I make you make a promise. And what's the promise? Im ta'iru v'im ta'iru don't force me to bring the Geula until the time is right. Don't daven and fast and try and use spiritual means, so to speak, to compel Hashem to bring the Geula. And so yes, we daven every day, Hashem should bring the Geula. We fast on Tisha B'Av and a few other times during the year. We remember what we lost with Yerushalayim. But are we going on an all-out campaign to daven and fast and say to him non-stop until we get answered now. Why not? Because Hashem told us not to. Don't force me to bring the Gola before the time is right. There's stories of people who tried and failed. 
And we think, what a pity. They, they tried, they got so close, it didn't work. And the pity wasn't the fact that at the last step it didn't happen. The tragedy was they shouldn't have tried. Hashem doesn't want us to force him to bring the gola. Why not? Wouldn't it be better for us if the Mashiach was here? Wouldn't we would be on a higher level? Wouldn't we be able to do so much more? Sure we would. Sure we would. But bringing the gola isn't a question of what's best for the individual. Bringing the gola is always the cheshman of what's best for the Jewish people as a whole. And it could be for the individual, this is the best thing in the world. I'll gain tremendously. But it's not the right thing for Klai Israel. That takes precedence. And why not? Because we have a principle. And the Gemara tells us, similar to Bagarim, somebody who joins the Jewish people before Mashiach comes is a welcome guest. He's part of us and will enjoy Mashiach too. But once Mashiach comes, has come, it's too late. There's no longer an clarity as to what the MS is. There's no longer the possibility to start after Mashiach comes. It's only those people who already realize the truth and joined us beforehand that will continue to benefit as part of us. And the same thing applies to Klai Yisrael. Mashiach is an opportunity to learn what to do more, to grow more, to achieve more, to bring Korbanus, to come closer to Hashem. For everybody who already began on that journey, for everyone who already sat on that path, and for those Jews who unfortunately haven't even taken one step in that direction, when Mashiach comes, it's too late to start. And so yes, HaKadosh Baruch was interested in delaying Mashiach as long as possible. Because that gives, that affords more Jews the opportunity to start and to be included in the Gaula when the Gaula will come. For those individuals who deserved and could have brought Mashiach, they'll be Zeichah. The Tchiyas of Mashiach comes. But as much as they, put in, in their personal level, might deserve it, the rule is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when there's a question, a conflict, What's best for the Tzibur, Klai Yisrael as a whole, or best for the Yachid, looks to what's best for the Jewish people. And so, if it's time of Mashiach, of course, all this Chosim we do is adding merit. But it's a question of what's best for Klai Yisrael. And it's the same name that Moshe Rabbeinu teaches us. As much as a person can do and deserve, at the end of the day, the focus of what's best for Klai Israel is what takes priority.